practical message. And uh, she would, uh, and just, uh, Brother Nate's coming, Sprum. there we go. <laughs> All right, and so uh, she's going to come, and we're going to have a little bit of a roundtable discussion of some things that, that we have learned. Uh, some of the things we have learned by doing things right, some of the things we have learned by doing things wrong. More wrong than right. And so, uh, anyway, we're just going to uh, just have a little bit of talking back and forth, and uh, prayerfully, it will sort of stimulate some thoughts in your own mind. Uh, maybe you say, well, I'm, I'm a, a grandparent. My kids are gone. We never stop being a parent, do we? And that is a process that continues. And whether the kids are small and in the home, or whether they're college age, or whether they're adults and married and have children of their own, you're still a parent. And there is influence and opportunities that are there. And so we just want to try to be a help uh, tonight. So this will be a little bit different from uh, what we normally have on our evening service. But I pray that it will be a help uh, to all of our people. And so, Ms. Brown, uh, let's go ahead and uh, get started. Uh, we Tell a little bit about our family. We have three children that are grown. We are empty nesters now, and we have four grandchildren. And um, we, we went to Bible. We met when we were um, ninth, eighth grade and dated through high school, uh, as much dating as you can do in a Christian environment. Um, and we got married, we graduated in, from high school in June, got married in August, so we were both 18 years old when we got married, and then um, we celebrated. Not something that we promote <laughs> yeah, not right now. <laughs> it, worked, um, it worked for us, but we don't promote it for anybody, because uh, we've seen that it does not work in many God instances. was gracious to yes. us. <laughs> God was, God blessed in our stupidity. Very much uh, so. And so... Uh, and then we um, went to Bible College in Northwest Indiana, celebrated our first year of marriage there, and then um, we had two children while we were in Bible College, and then we went back to our home church in Washington and worked there for 18 years, had another child while we were there, and then God called us here to California 11 years ago. All right. So I want to just uh, share a verse with you. Uh, Proverbs chapter 23, verse 15 through 17 the Bible says, my son, if thine heart be wise, my heart shall rejoice, even mine. Yea, my reign shall rejoice when thy lips speak right things. Let not thine heart envy sinners, but be thou in the fear of the Lord all the day long. Now, the book of Proverbs was written by a man by the name of Solomon. Solomon was the king. He was the wisest man who had ever lived. And and if you have any biblical uh, background, you understand that as Solomon got older, uh, he made some terrible decisions. Age does not disqualify us for making bad decisions. And here he was as an older man uh, talking to his adult son, Rehoboam. And as he was communicating to this adult son, he was telling him that if you would be wise, I would rejoice. You know what we find is when our kids do right, it brings joy. When our kids make good decisions, it brings joy into our life. And he said that, that my heart uh, would rejoice. He said, my, 
rain shall rejoice when thy lips speak right things. And so here, as parents, we see that we want to make sure, I don't know about you, but I want, I want to rejoice in my family. I want to enjoy uh, my children. I want them to bring joy into my life. And here he says that if they would be wise, his heart would rejoice. Now, wisdom is not something that you gain just by living. There are a lot of people who have lived long spanses of time, but that time did not make them wise. You see, wisdom... Wisdom is something that we have to learn. And as we look into the Word of God and we see wisdom, it's not just knowledge, and it's not just understanding theory. It is the practical application of how we are to impart that knowledge in our life. And here when we look at child-rearing and investing in our kids, we see that the importance of investing in, in them is because that will bring us joy. Not their success, them doing right, them enjoying life will bring joy to us. The exact opposite is true as well. When there is destruction, when there is hurt, when there is injury in a child, and whether that child is fourth grade or whether that child is 40 years old, when they do right, it brings joy. When they do wrong, it brings hurt. And so tonight, we just want to look at some areas about investing in them so they can succeed and so our hearts can be, be happy, so our hearts can rejoice. So uh, a couple things there. Ms. Brown, go ahead. Well, we just wanted to kind of start out that we are definitely not the perfect parents. We have made a lot of mistakes. And this morning, Pastor was preaching. We also don't have perfect kids, by the way. But we have great kids. But let me go back with no. there's no perfect parent and there's no perfect child. All of us have sin in our life. And you can't beat yourself up if you feel like, well, I've made this mistake. or it, You're going to make mistakes because you're, you're just not perfect. But we can go back and we can keep retrying and keep working at it. We just don't want to throw up our hands and say, I'm done. Because as a parent, you can't. Yeah. It, you can't. You're always going to be a parent. But So we're not perfect. Our kids are not perfect. But Pastor preached this morning on the principle of sowing and reaping. And when he was using illustrations of a farmer, and you know, when you sow sparingly, you're not going to reap as much. But if you just throw that seed out there and you're sowing bountifully and you're getting a lot of seed out there, you're going to expect that you're going to get a lot of return for whatever that seed is that you, that you planted. And um, I was thinking about this, this talk tonight. I was thinking that's the same with child rearing. You as a parent, if you sow sparingly in, in that time of investment, you're not going to reap this, ben this benefit of having joy when your children are older. But if you just continue to invest bountifully in them in spending a lot of time pouring things into them, character traits, training, things that, some of the things we're going to talk about tonight, you are going to make mistakes on the way, but the principle of sowing and reaping will st still come true in your family. You will reap bountifully. You might not reap everything that you planted in them. You might not see all of the things that you thought you got into them, but 
somehow God makes it all work out in the end, and you're going to see that come into your children's lives. So we just wanted to clarify that we we are not the know-it-alls on all of this. Um, we have made mistakes, but we have seen fruit in the lives of our children, and we've learned stuff, and not stuff from just when we were rearing our kids, but from as we have taught and worked with teenagers for um, many years at our other church, 18 years, um, seeing the mistakes that other parents made when we didn't have teenagers and thinking, we don't want to do that, and then seeing what other parents did that had great teenagers that were sex successful. And so we were like, okay, those are some things we, things we want to add into our child rearing as well. All right. So with that, uh, investing in our, our kids is just like financial investments. It's on purpose. Nobody ever made a financial investment accidentally. It was, it was something that was thought about, it was something that was planned, and it was purposeful. And, you know, when we, just having kids and them being in the same household doesn't mean that they're going to get everything by osmosis. Uh, how many things did uh, my parents, as they invested in me, uh, there, there were things that I did gain by osmosis, but there were a lot of things that I did not gain by osmosis. And usually, the things that I didn't pick up by osmosis uh, usually caught, called for a slap alongside the back of the head, uh, saying, wake up, dummy, what's wrong with you? Don't you get this? Don't you see this? Uh, and too often, what we find is that in all of the distractions in this world, the devices, the TV, the computers, the cell phones, uh, the games, those are no replacement for your investment in your child. It, it has to be that moms and dads and grandparents are investing in these kids. It's not just that we are making sure they stay out of trouble. We need to be pouring into them. We only have them for a little bit of time. And the time that we do have them for our church, this is Stewardship Month. And we're talking about uh, being a good steward. Well, uh, one of the best things that you can be a steward of is your family and making sure that we are guiding and, and directing our family in a way that would bring honor and glory to the Lord. And so that teaching, that training uh, is vital. So as parents, you have to uh, determine what is it that you want to make sure that your children have. So we've got 543 things that we're going to give you in the next, uh, no, uh, but we're going to just give you about four or five things that just to try to help uh, spur your, your thoughts, uh, to try to challenge you to look at uh, your life and see what uh, you might be able to do uh, in your family. But you have to determine uh, and decide what values you want your children to have. Because they're going to learn a value system. And where they choose that value system from, if moms and dads are not giving it to them, who is? And so with that, we've got to be very, very purposeful in that. Uh, so for us, uh, and these are just, just some of the, the values we had, first of all was faith. We wanted to make sure that our kids viewed this life through a biblical worldview. We wanted them uh, to have 
faith. We wanted them to see life through a, a biblical worldview. And as a parent, uh, you have to understand uh, what is it that you want your, ch- your child to have. As a grandparent, what, what uh, influences do we want them to see and, and to hold? Those values are so very important. Uh, so that biblical uh, worldview. And, and of course, that comes down to how they determine what's right and what's wrong. You know, there are a lot of people that will say this is right or this is wrong. But what is it that truly is right or wrong? Everybody can't be right. So what is the basis of right and wrong? Is it just based on what mom and dad says is right? Or is it based on what God says is right? And so with that, there has to be a foundation uh, for uh, for our teaching and for us, our faith was was very important. So the basis for right and wrong, the laws of God uh, or the laws of man, uh, there is a moral fabric. But that moral fabric can be based on completely what a culture will embrace, or it can be based on what is truth. You know, truth is truth. It doesn't change. And it doesn't matter who states what, nobody, there, there is only truth, and then there's error. Now, when it comes to faith, some people will say, well, there's just so many different types of truth. No, there's only one truth. There's only one truth. And just like two plus two is four, mathematically, there is only one right answer for that equation. And in life, truth, there is a right, there is wrong. So having that and having that foundation uh, is very important. So for us, that was important. Why? Because that truth, that basis for what is right would also lead them to a place of salvation. And that is when they understand that they are a sinner in need of a savior and they, by faith, they accept Christ as their Savior. You know, the Bible says, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There's only one way into heaven, and that is through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so with that, the basis of truth was our faith, and it's the Word of God. And so as we were teaching them, we had to make sure that we could come back to what does God say. It's not just what Dad says, not just what Mom says, not just what uh, the pastor says or a teacher says. What does God say? So, so they have something uh, that they can come back to for that foundation. So that was, that was very important for us. Can I speak in here? here? No. Uh, well, I'm going right. to. Um, and part, uh, this is where parents, you have to work. It's not, it's not easy to be a parent. It's not that you just have a baby and all of a sudden this baby is 18 years old is this great citizen and walks out your door and, you know, has this productive life. You want to invest in them to be able to see that fruit come to fruition. So, fruition, I'm sorry. Um, So that's where you have to get into the Word of God. You have to find the principles that you're going to be able to teach them so that when there is an issue in your home, you can go back to the Word of God and say, this is what God says. But they're not, if you don't know it, how do you teach it? So there's work in becoming a parent and investing. You have to 
get in the Bible, and you have to dig in there, uh, dig in there, and then be able to explain that to your child and use that not browbeating them with the Bible, but mm-hmm. taking those principles that are taught. Godly principles work for anybody, somebody who's in church, somebody who's not in church, somebody who is a believer, somebody who is not a believer, but godly principles work. So if you get in the Bible and you learn what those principles are, and of course the book of Proverbs is full of child-rearing things, you teach those to your children, you have something, a, a foundation to stand on because truth is truth. Yes. All right. And then uh, tonight we do have a gift for all the parents and when we got married, we were kids. And, uh, you know, then, then as we started having children, uh, you know, we were in college and we were in a place where they were trying to get resources to us all the time. So we started reading books on child rearing. Uh, and the reality is, though, many parents have never read any books on parenting. You know, it's sort of like that owner's manual when you buy a car. Well, I know how to drive. I don't, need, I don't need this manual to tell me how to operate this vehicle. I can figure it out myself. And that might be true, but I would just as soon learn some things so I don't have to make uh, as many mistakes. And so over the years, we've, we have tried to learn and to grow uh, and to take wisdom from other people. And so we do have a gift for all the parents tonight, just a, a book. And it's just biblical basic, basics of biblical parenting and uh, just some principles to help, uh, help guide uh, and direct. All right, so what's the next principle? Um, work. Value. Value. It, the, the next principle is work. We were very... Um, very adamant that our children were going to know how to work. Um, We were reared in homes that our parents were hard workers, and that was a generational thing, our grandparents, and so we decided that we were going to pass that on down to our children. And so many parents will do things for their children instead of making the children do that for themselves. And when you do that, you're not teaching and training them how to work. So we looked for ways to just make our kids have to work. No, but as a parent, sometimes, especially when you live in the city and you have a, you know, a little tiny piece of grass that's not very big for your front yard and, you know, we're not out on a farm having all these things that we have to do, again, you as a parent have to invest. You have to figure out how do I train my child how to work. And you can start when they're just two years old, helping them pick up their toys. And you're not picking them up. You're making sure that they're picking them up. They can make their bed at two years old. Don't let them it's come. It's not going to look like grandma's No, it's not. It's not going to have all but, those corners. Uh, but they can, they can yeah, work at it. They, you don't have to do it. Their room doesn't have to look like a pig pen. It doesn't have to have peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, you know, squished up underneath the bed. Um, they can do it. They can figure it out. And so we, we had a few little temper tantrums, and there was some times that we had to have a little extra help along the way when they were two but our kids learned the yeah (laughs) okay our son's in the back he he can testify uh so we we started that with when they were two and then of course as they get older there's more chores in your home that they can help with washing the dishes we had a rotation of who helped with different chores 
I always washed because I wanted to make sure they were clean, but they could help dry and put away. We didn't have a dishwasher. I was it. They were it. But um, there's things that you can use to help train them. And moms, I know a lot of times we're in the kitchen and we just want to get that job done. And it does take longer when you have children there helping you, but it's well worth the effort of slowing down and training and teaching them. And then as they got older, we helped them find jobs outside of our home. And by that point, they were known around our church as hard workers. And God just, back to sowing and reaping, God brought people into our church that were business owners. And they would see our teenagers and realize that they were hard workers. And they would come and ask to hire them. And our kids had money. They were Both of our boys were able to buy their first car themselves, pay for insurance. Our daughter didn't have as many opportunities, um, so we did help her out, but she made payments to us. We didn't buy it outright and give it to her. She made payments on her stuff, and um, they were known as hard workers, and it was because we looked for ways for them to be able to learn how to do a job. It wasn't just, we're giving you an allowance because you live here. So an allowance was, was something that was earned. It wasn't something that they got for just existing. Uh, and, and something on allowances, you know, and I'm not against giving children allowances, but there are responsibilities for being a member of the household. And they don't get, allow they don't get paid for being a member of the household. For just a productive member of the family, we shouldn't, we shouldn't have to pay them for that. Uh, that, is, that is something that was up and above. Uh, they ate at our table. Uh, the bed that they slept in, they did not purchase. They didn't, uh, they didn't have these rights that they just deserved because they existed and were in our home. Uh, we wanted them to have a proper value system. And in our world, we just have to look around and see that there are a lot of people that expect everything to be done for them. And we didn't want our children to be that way. We wanted them to be a, a productive member of the family and then also know how to work and to earn and to uh, be able to, uh, to go into society and to be able to live and survive. So, uh, so there was a lot of uh, a lot of training there with the teaching on uh, chores and work. Uh, but one of the other uh, thing, core values that we had was family. And fam the family unit is worth fighting for. It's worth fighting for. The family unit is not something to fight against. The family unit is something to fight for. And, and with that, just making sure that uh, we are working at ways to keeping the family together. Uh, dinner was a big deal at our house. And uh, a time where we could come together and have dinner together. Uh, that, was, that was very important. Now, I was not raised that way. Uh, I was raised when I'd get up, mom was already at work, uh, grew up in a broken home. And so uh, my upbringing was completely different from my wife's upbringing. She grew up in Little House in the Prairie, or Leave it to Beaver, or uh, one of those other uh, those uh, scenarios where uh, mom was home all day, and dad walked in the door, and dinner was on the table, and that's how she grew up. Uh, that was the scenario. That's not how I grew up. Uh, we never ate at the table. 
we ate in front of the TV. Uh, it was uh, just that more of that relaxed uh, time and just everybody was coming and going, eating at different times. And so uh, the dinner time, family time there was very important for my wife. And it took a long time for me to, to gravitate towards that and embrace that uh, because it wasn't something that I was used to. But what I did, did recognize was it was a time for our family to be together. It was a time where we'd pray together as a family. It was a time where we could talk about what was going on in our day. And it was a time where we could have that communication in a civil manner. Communication is the, the lack of communication is the second leading cause of divorce. No communication or limited communication. Well, the time at the table was still a teaching time about communication and helping our kids to know how to talk and communicate uh, and, and relationships uh, because everybody wasn't always happy. Just like at your, your home, everybody's not always happy. But how do we still come together and communicate without it being a big blow up? And those, that's, all, that's all teaching, that's all training, that's real life. Because when they get on the, their own, they've got to know how to deal with those stresses and problems and uh, inner family relationships. Those are real. And so having some of that time to really work on uh, family, uh, but it's worth fighting for. Another thing that we did as the kids got older um, was we took Pastor's Day off back then was on a Monday, and he worked a second job, and so he wasn't home a lot of times after he'd eat dinner, and then he'd leave and go to another job. So we started as the kids, especially when they, I think David was, our oldest was probably just in junior high, we started um, taking one, one night a week that was just, the kids rotated out. So every other week or every third week, then one of them got a Monday night to where they got to stay up an extra 30 minutes. The other two had to go to bed. And for that 30 minutes, they got time with just mom and dad. And then the next week it was the next child. And they had just that 30 minutes to do whatever they wanted, not rough and tumble where they weren't gonna be ready to go to bed, but, or be distracting to the two that were in bed. But um, you know, just if they wanted to read a book together, play a puzzle or a game or something, just talk as they got into junior high and high school. We had a lot of very eye-opening conversations that things that got talked about that weren't talked about when the other two were in the room. And we got to see into their life, how their school day was, things that they shared then, then with us that weren't brought up at the table. And the kids and I looked forward that, to that so much. Um, the other, and then the other two nights out of the week, the other two children got it. It was just with me, so they kind of weren't as happy because it was just mom and not mom and dad. But we rotated that out for three nights a week. And it really, um, I felt like it really helped me develop a little bit more of a one-on-one -on -one relationship with my child individually and get to know them. Because as they get older, their characters change. You sometimes can pick up on things that maybe you need to tweak a little bit as a parent. And if you do not know your child individually, you don't know where you can help them. And when we lump them all together, and those are my kids, and we do everything together as a family unit, that's great. But sometimes one child might not be as outgoing as the other, and so maybe that child doesn't speak up or gets looked 
you know, passed over for something and that what's different children have different needs and you might have to spend a little bit more one-on-one -on -one with some child in one area than you would another. And those 30 minutes helped me find those times with my kids. Yeah. And with, with that, you know, each child, it's amazing. They're all in the same home. How can they be so different? The same mom, same dad, uh, same environment, same structure, but they are completely different personality-wise. And we can't treat them the same. We've got to figure out what works for each one. Now, my oldest, he was hard-headed. And we just had to beat him. He was like his dad. <laughs> uh, and it was, it was, I mean, everything was a battle. And there was just discipline, discipline, discipline. And, you know, you'd correct something. He'd look right at you uh, as if that was nothing. Uh, bring it on, you know. And there was just uh, so much correction time. Uh, Rachel, she was, she was different. She, she, was, she was definitely different. She was, she was the thinker trying to figure everything out. And you had to, you had to work at staying ahead of her. Because she, she was trying to figure everything out. And she was three, four steps down the, the road. And I'm, I'm, not the, I'm not the sharpest crayon in the box. And so I was having to really work at trying to stay ahead of her. My youngest, he was, he was very soft-hearted. And would respond completely different than my oldest. And so, you know, trying to figure those things out, you, you, can't, you can't discipline them all the same. You can't have the same expectations for them. Uh, some are going to be more academically inclined than others. My, my daughter was the most academically inclined. Uh, the boys just wanted to be done. I mean, it was, okay, let me just get my C, let me get, I'll pass, I'll do my work, and I'm done. And they were as happy as could be. They would rather be playing basketball than looking at a book. And my daughter, she wanted the calculus, and she wanted all the extra uh, higher, higher maths, and, uh, and that was, they were all different. And so just trying to figure out the personalities and the desires, the strengths and the weaknesses. Because if we don't know where those are at, how can we help them succeed? We as parents, we have to be the ones that are looking into their lives. We've got to be the steward of that, that child and really saying, okay, this is something that I see that we need to work on. And having that, that insight gives you the ability to help them. Because when they're 18, when they move out of the house, there's going to be some influence, but it's going to be a lot less. And those opportunities are going to be a lot less. And so helping them succeed is so very important. All right, let's, let's go on. Uh, truth. Uh, we were talking about truth a little bit earlier, but uh, that was something that was very important as we communicated was truth. We just would not allow that they knew that they were not allowed to tell a lie. Um, you could ask David after church how Irish spring tastes, but um, once in a while, you know, you have to do what you got to do. But we wanted them to understand the value of honesty, not just to us, but to their friends, to God, to, to other authorities in their life, um, to their peers, and the, even to the rest of the family. And so that was very important. We, we just always are trying to teach this, that it's, honesty is so important. 
people know you by that. They know if you're a liar. There are certain people, adults, that you can, after a while, if you've known them for very long, you know that you can't really believe everything that comes out of their mouth because you've caught them in a lie. And I didn't want that to be said about my children, so it was very important. Um, so something that I didn't learn as a when my kids were little, but something I've picked up on as I've been studying to help the moms in our church is don't set your kids up to lie. When you have seen that they have done something that you've already told them not to do or they hit a sibling or just something that's gone against a value that you've taught or a rule in your home, don't walk up to them and say, did you just do when you just saw it? You saw it, so you know they did. Why are we putting that did you out there? Because our first natural instinct as a sinner is no. You know, it's the kid with the cookie that's still in his hand, and you said, did you just take that, a bite out of that cookie that I told you you couldn't have? And he's still chewing on it with the cookie in his hand, crumbs everywhere. No, Mommy. But we just asked it in a way that we gave them that opportunity to lie. So as a parent, we have to go back and we have to think about, before I ask that question, how do I word it so that I can correct the problem without giving them that opportunity to be able to lie to me? All right. That was, that was something we did not pick up on. Uh, and later, later, looking back at it, it was like, how many times did I, did I discipline my kids for lying to me when I'm the one that set them up to lie? Uh, had I just changed the way that I asked them the question... Then, then it wouldn't have been a, they wouldn't have had the opportunity to lie, uh, because we've already established that they had had done something that they weren't supposed to do. Uh, so that was something that we had uh, had to learn. Uh, but being in in stewardship, and that's where, uh, and I'm and I'm done. All right, just give you a little bit of hope here. Uh, so stewardship is is that uh, we are managers. A steward in the Bible is a manager of somebody else's resources. The Bible says that, lo, children are an heritage of the Lord. God has given us our children as a gift. And we need to make sure that we are, we are stewarding them. We are helping them uh, so they can succeed in life and be who God had created them to be. And so, so as parents, that stewarding, it's work. Uh, but it is very rewarding. And that, that reward of stewardship will be a blessing to them uh, for the rest of their life. And as well, it'll be a blessing to the parents. Why? Because they get to see their children make good decisions. My son, if thine heart be wise, my heart shall rejoice, even mine. And I pray that our homes would be blessed and we would be able to rejoice in the children that God has given to us. And let's have a word of prayer. And Father, we are so thankful for the blessings you give to us. And I do pray, uh, Lord, that you would help us, uh, Lord, to be the stewards that you would want us to be. I pray that you would help us, Lord, to, to live our lives in a manner that would bring honor and glory to you. And Father, I pray that you would bless each one that's here this evening, uh, Lord, help them uh, in their families, in their homes, uh, whether it's a grandparent, whether it's a, a family member, uh, help all of us, Lord, to, in, to see the importance of investing in that next generation. 
And so I pray that you would help us. Thank you for the blessings you have given to us. And I pray that you would help us now, please. For Christ's sake, we pray. Amen. All right. Sorry. All right. At this time, we do have uh, a young lady that we wanted to get baptized. And so we are going to go ahead and prepare for a baptism service. Is that uh, still, we ready there? All right, good. And let's go ahead and have a song right now. And we're, we are going to get to see a young lady get baptized uh, this, this evening. All right, ushers, uh, let me just get the, the uh, parents. Uh, if you'll raise your hand, you've got children in the home, uh, if you'll hold your hand up, we want to get each one of you a, a book. And so that would be great. Wonderful, our ushers are coming there.